peoples of the worldwide federated internet what is good Now we are returning to the book of Exodus and we're in chapter 14. Now we're getting to the nitty gritty. This is where the rubber meets the road and we begin to see Israel do some of the same things many of us do. And we also get to see the mercy and the work of God. Anyway, let's get into this. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Piharoth, between Migdal and the sea, over against uh, Balzaphon. Before, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. And these words, what the significance of the places and the meanings, I don't know. Uh, Pihiroth is place where sage grows. Migdal means tower and Belzephon means Lord of the North. A lot of times these things probably have a deeper meaning. I don't know that for a fact. And I try not to spend too much time on that. Because like I said, it may have a deeper meaning and it may not. I don't know at this point. And as I, as I like to stick to, it's okay not to know something and to move on and maybe come back to that thing later with a little better understanding. I've, I've found that when I study my Bible, if I try to force things, then a lot of times for me personally, that's how a lot of false doctrines and incorrect beliefs come in. So I just stick with the text. I read what I read. If I have some better insight at that moment, I'll go with it and study. But if I don't have a deeper insight and maybe there is no deeper insight outside of what's there, I just try to stick with the text. Sometimes you read things and there's clearly more there than what you see. And I think at those times, it's okay to look at things and go a little deeper. And I also think it's okay not to know. I think if more of us would be at that point, removing pride, there probably wouldn't be as much debate about some things. Not that there's anything wrong with debate, but I think sometimes that debate actually comes in because of pride. Uh, verse three. For Pharaoh will say to the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored up, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So God is letting them know that there's going to be some things happen. 
Pharaoh's going to have a thought. He's going to think they're trapped. We can go get them. But I'm, I'm going to do some things so that the Egyptians know I am the Lord. You ever heard that question from people? Well, what about people who don't know? What, what about people that, that don't know that, that this is the God, the creator of heaven and earth? What I think you see in the Bible, if you will pay attention, I, I believe God answers a lot of these questions beforehand, right? And here, what do we see? We see God going to the length of doing many things to show the people in Egypt that he is the Lord. Now, here's the next question you sat, you should ask yourself. Okay. So if these things happen and the people in Egypt see that this is the Lord, is not God justified if they are judged for not seeking after the Lord? If you just saw something happen, let's put yourself in this time. You saw a bunch of things happen and you know, in your heart, yeah, this is God. This is, this is the true God who created all of this. Shouldn't, shouldn't your next move be okay, God, what do I need to do? And if you don't do that, is God not justified in judging you accordingly? Just saying, um, verse five, and it was told, uh, the king of Egypt, that the people fled and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? They're having a little bit of remorse because the people of Israel, the Hebrews were doing all the hard labor, building the cities and building the storehouses and building palaces and doing all that work that the Egyptians didn't have to do. Now they're going to have to do these things. <laughs> the Egyptians and Pharaoh are very bipolar right now. Uh, first, they want to let the people of Israel go. You know, uh, the Hebrew people found favor in the sight of the Egyptians. They let them go, go on your way before we die. Now they're gone. And they're like, wait a minute wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't have let them go. Maybe we should have kept them. Verse six. And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Pharaoh is going after the children of Israel. He is burning with this desire to bring them back. Uh, verse seven. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains of every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued after the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with an high hand. Again, I've said this before. I'll say it again for those who haven't been listening I, I truly believe based on what I have seen from God throughout the entirety of the Bible and the different things stated in different places, both in Old and New Testament. I believe when it says that God hardened his heart, I think that God removed restraints. Right. So there's there's a restraint, so to speak, or a governor. And I believe that restraint was removed and Pharaoh just went headlong 
doing exactly what he wanted to do. Uh, th- I think this this issue of of God hardening the heart of Pharaoh is a lot more complex than than some make it. And I could be mistaken. That's that's just my opinion at this point, based on what I believe is sound biblical reasoning. Uh, verse nine. Uh, but the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside Piharoth before Belzephon. There is a well-known man named Ron Wyatt that has claimed to make some discu- to make some discoveries as far as where, where the children of Israel encamped exactly. And he is uh, purported to have found many things. I have watched a documentary about this man, uh, uh, Ron Wyatt. I think I said John Wyatt, Ron Wyatt. And I'm not going to say all of his claims are 100% true, but I will say this. A lot of the claims made about, you know, certain discoveries are believable. It is not, it is not unreasonable to believe some of these discoveries. And the reason I like to make my statement like that is I don't want to be dogmatic and say, yes, 100% everything he says is correct because maybe he's wrong, but I do believe there is, uh, I believe you have a, a good, solid, reasonable stance to believe the dis- the archeological discoveries of Ron White. Uh, and it and it's pertaining to this specific account. You can go on YouTube and look it up. He has made some archaeological or purported to have made some archaeological discoveries concerning uh, Noah's Ark and concerning the Exodus from Egypt. Verse ten. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Therefore hast thou, hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Now remember, these people just saw the miracles, the things that, that the plagues, the things that God worked in Egypt. Here it is. They're in the wilderness and they're ready to give it all up right away without question. They're just ready to to hang it up. They're at their wits end. they think this is it. It's over. Pharaoh got us that quickly. That is how quick what God has done for them can be forgotten. And I think it's naive to think in our own lives, if these people can have God do all these miracles, I want you to think about that. Not, not, not that answered prayers are not miraculous because they are, but think about the things they saw in Egypt, how things worked out. The people going from being against them to giving them their jewels and prized possessions and sending them on their way. You would think after all of these miracles, after all of these plagues, after the way God preserved them, 
specifically through all these plagues, that this would be the moment where they would rightfully so cry out to God. Fear and doubt is a human thing. Cry out to God, trusting that God, we don't know what you're going to do, but we trust you and we are afraid. Being honest with themselves and still trusting God. But that's not what they did. They went straight to the negative. Like, yo, you brought us here to bury us. Like, what the heck is going on? And, and again, I think it's naive to think that within us is not the propensity to do this same thing. And I will say, in fact, that oftentimes that's exactly what we do. Uh, verse 12, is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Let that sink in. So even though, even though they see all these things, God sent Moses, God is telling them, I'm going to deliver you as I promised. They were telling Moses, yo, isn't it better for us just to stay here and serve the Egyptians? Even with the hard bondage that they had, they were willing to stay and serve the Egyptians, rather be freed and delivered by God. Verse 13, and Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today for the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again, no more forever. Moses is settled at this point. At least Moses is settled. He is trusting God. He believes they're going to be delivered. And the people of Israel, even after everything they have seen, they have some massive questions, massive doubt, and they're wondering, is God actually going to deliver us from this impending doom? That's what they see. What they see is impending doom. And Moses is trying to tell them, yo, relax. What's getting ready to happen is we're going to be delivered so much to the point. We're not even going to have to deal with the Egyptians anymore. And yet after all they've seen, they still doubt. And what I think is if, if after everything they saw, they can doubt and they did doubt again, the propensity for all of this is within us as well. So I don't, I, when I look at this, I'm like, all right, so what do I need to do when I run into those adverse situations where I think there is no way out and there is no end. I probably should look back to the things that God has done for me in similar situations where I felt like there was no way out and there was no end. And what I need to be mindful of is, you know, God came through then and God has not changed. And that doesn't mean everything will always work out because I don't like, I don't like that that idea and that philosophy that things will always work out and you won't have anything happen and you won't have any struggle. Cause that's definitely not what I'm saying. What I am saying is we can definitely trust God to work and work things out. However he does. And we can trust that things will work. We don't always have to go to the negative, go back, look at what God has done 
and just trust that God is working his work. We may not understand the ins and outs, but God is doing what he does. And this is what Moses is telling them like, yo, relax. You're not even going to have to deal with the Egyptians anymore. And yet the people doubt y'all know what it is. Stay frosty people.